Always a joy hearing the who. Who? The who. Although, you know what, I, Brian, I may have to get some requests in here before the end of the show, some uh, Christmas rockers, like uh, Father Christmas by the Kinks. You know, that's actually a story about, even though they're, they're British, a story about my old neighborhood in Slavic Village. The guys on 49th always used to chase, try to get Santa's pot over on Broadway in 55th, this and that. And so it wasn't me and my guys, okay? Or Springsteen, Santa Claus is coming to town. I know Christmas was yesterday, but I'm still filled with the Christmas. Dude, I'm hokey when it comes, I'm joyous when it comes to the Christmas season. That's the second time I've said I've been hokey today, okay? But this is not hokiness in any way, shape, or form. From the great Canton Repository, as I, if I crane my neck and step out the door, I can see the building. I can touch the building. It's none other than the one, the only, Mr. Steve Dorshik. Steve, Merry Christmas to you, my friend. Much Merry Christmas to you. And I might mention as we begin that uh, some years ago, there were colorful lights strung across Market Avenue all the way from... Uh, where you're sitting right now, uh, on up uh, toward the Palace Theater. Those aren't there anymore, but uh, you've brought that great light to our city today, Munch, and I thank you for that. Well, hopefully I can keep that light shining tomorrow and Thursday, too. But, Steve, I do want to tell you this, and I'm going to be posting the photos. I thought downtown Canton, they got rid of those lights, you know, the, the, the extensive lights, as you noted, but, you know, big, like, you know, five-foot circumference, you know, Christmas ornaments, you know, stacked up on the corners, a huge Christmas tree right on uh, the market when you make the turn off the main drag there. Uh, downtown Canton looks fantastic, and you know me, I'm kind of a city guy, dude. I, I'm I'm partial. I, I I like being out in the country on occasion, but if I don't have concrete and steel, I get nervous around me. Munch downtown Canton is a place uh, I began going uh, when all the uh, department stores were open. Sears, Penny's, O'Neill's, any of the big ones were open downtown before the uh, mall trend uh, came in. But uh, downtown Canton has uh, had been a pretty paced place for a long time. And it's back to uh, being a wonderful-looking place with some renovations that took place. A lot of people live in downtown now. And uh, it's really kind of heartwarming for people uh, uh, like us who have been around for a long time to see the town uh, come back and stay back. It, it does look And, Steve, I know that you epitomize, my friend. I don't even know if you know this. But years ago, more, more like decades ago, I was on a rock station doing sports. And I came up with a term called sports rockers. And I actually service marked and trademarked that term. To me, you epitomize a sports rocker because we love sports. You love rock and roll. But just speaking, you mentioned the Canton Palace. I remember a great concert not that long ago that you and I and a couple other buds attended. Your son was one of them. With uh, the great Donny Iris and his cruisers and the unbelievable band out of Youngstown, the Vindies. And downtown Canton is still alive. Yeah, Munch, that was a great night uh, for the city, and every time the palace uh, gets an act and and, and lights up, it, it's uh, fantastic for the city. So, yeah, I'm with you. That was uh, that was a great time with you, Munch. I hope we can do that again. We will do it. So, all right, my friend, let's talk Cleveland Browns. You say, Munch, no, you had no. I haven't been talking a lot of Browns until the last couple of weeks. I was estranged, but all of a sudden, there's a new bridesmaid. Okay, at the helm of this team, Joe Flacco, in just a few weeks. Not only has developed an unbelievable quarterback rapport with Amari Cooper, but is an all-around good guy. And I understand, yes, he turns the ball over. But, Steve, it's different when he turns it over. It's not good, don't get me wrong. But he's trying to make something happen. Uh, The Bears' interception at the goal line was just a great play by their DB. But you know what, Steve? He's unflappable. If there's a turnover, he comes right back out like it never happened. You could tell he doesn't hesitate 
to try to squeeze the ball into a tight spot, doesn't hesitate for a back shoulder throw, doesn't hesitate to hit Amari Cooper. But as I was watching Sunday, Steve, this hit me, is that I'm thinking, son of a gun. And Brian, producer extraordinaire, noted it. Sometimes it takes a whole season. It takes a couple of years to get this mojo developed. Is that a flashback to Ryan to Collins, to Sipe, to Newsom, or to Logan, to Bernie, to Webster, or Reggie, even to a smaller degree, Mayfield to Higgins. They had it going on for a while. This is so special, Steve. And, and you've watched a lot of football, covered a lot of football in your day, to see the rapport that Flacco and Cooper have in just a short amount of time. Yeah, Munch, you mentioned Brian Sipe, and uh, that name uh, resonates with a lot of people uh, of our age group. And for those who uh, aren't as old as us, Brian Sipe in 1980 was the uh, MVP of the National Football League. He's the last Cleveland Browns player who was an MVP of the National Football League. And in 1980, uh, uh, he produced numerous come-from-behind wins, uh, at-the-wire wins, and he did that, uh, uh, by and large, with a, uh, a beautiful rapport with some receivers. Dave Logan uh, catching balls from Brian Sipe was uh, one of the more memorable uh, you know, scenes that you're going to see as a, as a Browns follower. That fade to the corner was just unbelievable, wasn't it, Steve? Yeah, <laughs> fade to the corner or uh, Munch. I don't know what your favorite Browns play is of all time, but uh, mine probably is. And I was uh, covering that game all the way back then, uh, Green Bay at Cleveland. Green Bay wasn't good, but the Browns were very good. Their season was about to be spoiled at the end by Green Bay. They were on the verge of losing. But uh, Logan uh, ran a fade and uh, caught a ball from Sipe and uh, did a pirouette in front of a defensive back and scored a, a touchdown. What was uh, special about that for me, Mark, was that was back when they let you on the field as a writer with oh. uh, five minutes left in the game. Right. And, uh, some uh, some friends and I were standing there and uh, – <laughs> Wow, we're down here with all this noise pouring in, watching the, the Browns come from behind and keep uh, that great cardiac kid season alive with a uh, game-winning touchdown pass to Logan. But, yeah, that uh, that happened, and uh, some of what you're talking about with uh, with Cooper is, is coming back now. But much, what's coming back, I guess, uh, by and large, in terms of quarterback play, the uh, 1980 Browns had that last Cleveland Browns MVP. But uh, Brian Seip... Real, uh, real fun guy to be around, uh, nice guy, pretty good player, great timing player. But he was no Joe Flacco in terms of arm strength. Right. What I kind of appreciate uh, in watching Flacco is uh, from the time Sight played and then you go through the Bernie years and uh, all the dark years, uh, they're, the, the, uh, they're really professional quarterbacks, and we mentioned a couple, Sight and, uh, and Kosar. And, and there haven't been a, a lot else. But when you watch Flacco play, every time he makes one of those throws, it kind of goes like through a Rubik's Cube of <laughs> de- defenders and right into a receiver's hands. In many cases, Cooper, uh, the last uh, last game we saw. But uh, uh, that uh, that is uncanny how he does that. But they talk about uh, tight windows in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, professional quarterbacks, I, I think you appreciate what they mean by that but you don't actually see it, the ball going through all those hands, but uh, to the uh, intended target. And Flacco seems to do that time after time. You mentioned his turnovers, and I don't like him either much, and nobody does. <laughs> I give him, almost give him a complete pass, given how long he's been away and giving uh, all of the good things he's doing. 
Steve Dorschick joining us from the Great Canton Repository. Steve, I know it's, it's funny. Uh, Brian and I were talking before that people love stories. And hearkening back, you just triggered me on something, as you do frequently. That's why the plan I always have with you is let's just talk sports and go from there. But you talk about being on the field at the end of the games. I know you will not remember. And, Steve, I had goosebumps. And I wanted to scream and yell, but I also didn't want my press pass revoked. I'm sure you were on the sidelines when the Browns had that great goal line stand against Atlanta with Michael Vick and Warwick Dunn and Big Money or Penny, whatever his name is, was these days, came out after and said how this was for the city, this was for the people. Those are the things that endear me to this football team that make them part of my life. Were you on the sidelines for that too, Steve, with me? Well, Muncho, the the sideline or the goal line stand that comes to mind for me was uh uh Late in the season in uh, 2007, when Earl Holmes uh, made a, a, a few stops, so I mean uh, that's that's the kind of thrill of the rides we've gotten as uh, as Browns followers uh, across the last 25 years. But no, much I don't don't think I was uh, down there with you that day, but uh, I know the know exactly. Uh, Munch uh, uh, for the the people who were never in Old Cleveland Stadium, mm-hmm. let's let's go back there. But, <laughs> To me, uh, uh, the the experience of being on the sidelines uh, at at the end of a game that uh, turned into being a win was the uh, you know as as overwhelming as an experience I've as I've had in uh, forty plus years of uh, working uh, in local newspapers, and um, you know you you just can't begin to describe that. And the only time I remember that being anywhere close to that, uh, Mark. Uh, in the expansion era was, it was a Pittsburgh game. It was uh, year two of uh, the expansion era. And uh, Courtney Brown was a rookie, number one overall uh, draft pick. The Browns win the game by stopping Kent Graham and the Pittsburgh Steelers at the at the goal line. But uh, that, uh, that atmosphere back then, Mark, when everybody was just really super glad to have the team back, and uh, none of the losing had be- begun, but uh, that was as overwhelming a roar uh, as as I've heard, as I did here in, in the old days. But what I remember about that at the end was uh, Al Lerner, uh, the owner at that time, had uh, just his eyes were sparkling. And Al's heart was uh, really in it. Al's, Al's story is a long story. We can talk about that another day. Mm-hmm. But Al, uh, Al was an owner uh, I liked, uh, Mark. And, you and me uh, both. had a little bit of... Had a little bit of a relationship, but I remember bumping into Al down on the field, uh, looking around at the upper deck and all that sound pouring in, and Al uh, said, uh, this is the way it's supposed to be. And you know what? It certainly was 140. It's amazing, too, because they were gentlemen that you wanted to have a relationship with. Uh, Randy Lerner uh, was was a dear friend of mine, and uh, not name-dropping, just stating facts on that one. Steve, you said something else that triggered me, and we're getting into Browns you know, extensively here. You mentioned the name Courtney Brown. It bothers me when people say, oh, he was a bust. To me, as a bust as a player that just can't play or just does not want to play. Courtney Brown, when healthy, was unstoppable. Unstoppable. Sadly, injuries, not being hurt, there's a difference. Injuries derailed his career. Would you call him a bust like many, many do? No, I would call, uh, let's compare uh, two draft picks from that uh, time period. Mm-hmm. One was Courtney Brown, the number one overall in 2000. Another one was Gerard Big Money Warren, okay. number three overall pick in 2001. 
Gerard Warren was a bust because yes. he had the wrong attitude and the wrong sense of. He wanted to be a gangster. There's no doubt. And he turned it off. There you go. You you hit it. But uh, Gerard Warren, to me, even though he had a better career than Courtney Brown, uh, in uh, many respects, was a bust. Courtney Brown was not a bust. He had a good attitude. Uh, you know, he kept his nose uh, nose clean and and gave everything he had. He didn't ask to be a number one overall pick, but uh, when he was on the field, he gave what he had, and he had the misfortune of being hurt. So that's my take on. Uh, Busts and non-busts. Steve, I've got to ask you this. Right this second, and I, I gave you a little harbinger things to come. Right this second, what is something, I'll call it a Dorschekian type of comment, what is something on your sports court about the National Football League today? Right this second, my friend, not today. <laughs> Go ahead. Much. Yeah, there's, there's so much wrong with professional sports writers nowadays. <laughs> Although, you know, and I'll give the National Football League uh, credit for maintaining a, a sense of competitive uh, balance. Only a sense. Yeah, they're, they're, for every good game, there's four or five bad ones every week. Yeah, yeah, but I, I like the NFL a lot more than I like MLB, Mark. But, oh, really? Uh, okay, see, I don't, but go ahead. Well, right now, with yeah, all the money I, the Dodgers I, I spent, uh, they kind of uh, have tossed a curveball to the game. Yeah, that, that's it. And it landed right there where you wear your cup, I think, uh, for me anyway, uh, <laughs> um, Mark. Uh, but... Uh, um, what I like about the NFL right now is everything kind of disappears when your team is doing well. And uh, with, uh, with the really uh, heartwarming stuff, I don't even know what, the, what words to describe uh, to, uh, to uh, you know, characterize what Joe Flacco is doing for the team. And, mm-hmm. of course, it's not just Flacco. He's just one guy. Uh, everybody's kind of warming up to, to the situation. But I'm into this now, Mark. I wasn't, and, uh, and I, I dropped out. Uh, we can ex- talk about uh, a different time uh, why we why we dropped out uh, with the Browns uh, for a oh, while. It's, it's there simple and, because, uh, because of a, a quarterback that I consider to be an unsavory human being. Yeah, no names, please. Right, but uh, it's the holidays, it's, baby. We're joyous. Yeah, we are. <laughs> but this Blacko thing is is, is uh, so fascinating to me, Mark, and the fact that uh, a guy I thought the Browns should have kept. I think I'm in the minority. But uh, maybe uh, that minority is taking, or the majority is taking a second look now because Maker, Baker Mayfield's playing some pretty good ball right now. So what's on my sports board right now is <laughs> I really want to see, Mark, a Joe Flacco versus Baker Mayfield Super Bowl. To me, that would be uh, such a uh, science fiction uh, story that uh, it would be one of the great sports stories uh, of all time. Of course, the happy ending would be the, the Browns' uh, beating uh, Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl in that whole thing. But, Mark, the the only uh, one other thing that kind of comes to mind uh, for me that would have been a sports story that, that never was and we'll, we never will see was in the final days of old Cleveland Stadium, it was baseball season, mm-hmm. and I always thought that if the Indians got in contention late in the season, all those years after winning a World Series in 1948, that that would not only come back, the magic of how uh, surreal that stadium must have been in 1948, but it would have have surpassed that because of the great hunger that developed over the years. Cleveland fans waiting for something to to happen from one of their teams. But I, I thought that old Cleveland Stadium, if they would have contended in the last year of the stadium in 1993, would have been uh, one of the great sports atmospheres that ever would have existed in sports. That didn't happen much, 
They moved to Jacobs Field. We never got to see um, Old Municipal Stadium come back uh, the way it would have if the Indians had been good. So now I'm uh, hanging on Flacco versus Mayfield in the in the Super Bowl. That's my. It could be fun. I, I will ask you this. If some people shoulder shrugging, they don't give a dosh dang about it. But you know what? I'm happy to see Baker have his own. Some people say, well, I can carry either way. No, you know what? Uh, to me, the guy was railroaded here. He was injured. Sure, he said he wanted to play. Steve, I had 102 temperature. I had walking pneumonia, and I wouldn't stop doing my show, okay? And I, didn't, I wasn't worried about the Lou Gehrig, Wally Pip kind of thing. But you know what? A competitor always wants to play, and they trotted him out there injured, not hurt. And really, his, his performances showed that in a big, big way. Mr. Jarshak, I've got two minutes. I want to ask you this, friend. And again, if they're, they're Canton, Maslin, Stark County-related, feel free. Your biggest stories of 2023 as we come to the end of another year. Much my uh, high school, Canton South High School, which has never been fantastic in football and uh has had a lot of struggles, made it to the final four this year against the Cleveland Glenville. That was uh, really an experience for me. So that's uh, one of the things that, that uh, comes to mind. Here's another dream scenario, Mark, that, uh, that uh, had me uh, really hyped up uh, this year. It was in, in, uh, in April, you know, but it was a really heartwarming uh, thing to see. But your Cleveland uh, Indians slash Guardians came home for the home opener with a 5-2 and two record. And I remember I was bragging uh, to people, probably including you, Mark, about, uh, and I don't have to brag to you about that, Terry Francona. We feel the same way about Terry Francona. But I'm telling anybody who wasn't already listening to what a fantastic manager Terry Francona was because here this, uh, you know, uh, kind of uh, scrapped together bunch of guys that uh, was 5-2 was and two, uh, going into uh, a baseball season and was going to maybe finally end the World Series drought, so that didn't happen, but uh, I remember how happy I was in April to see them get off to a good start. And you know what, Tito, one of the finest gentlemen we've had in a long, long time. Mr. Dorshek, nothing but the best to you this holiday season into 2024, and we will speak sooner than soon. All right, my friend? Thanks for making my day again, Mr. Bishop. Well, Darshek, you are top of the line, my friend, and uh, if I'm on this radio station, you need to be part of it. Take care. Amen. Thank you. Steve Darshik. Wow, that was great. Always fun. You know what? Always opinionated, which is a good thing.